It's October 16th, and you are invited to join me and my longtime co-host and dear friend, Rebecca Hoffer, as we talk all about some of the ways that we've made life more awesome by singling out all the things that we've actually stopped doing. I'm Meg Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Hello and welcome back, awesomes. You are listening to the show that is all about helping you find conversation, friendship, and community. Now, whether you found us through Facebook or maybe Instagram, possibly over on TikTok or on YouTube, from the recommendation of a friend or from our other show, Awesome Today, it's truly awesome that you are here. Again, this is episode 264, and today I am joined by my dear friend, the ever-lovely Rebecca Hoffer. Hello, Rebecca. How are you? Hi, Meg. I am happy to be here. How are you today? Doing okay. Doing okay. This episode, as we prepared for this, you know what? This was actually really good for me to kind of stop and take stock of some things, because I feel like lately on Sort of Awesome, We definitely have been bringing you guys lots of great recommendations, lots of things that you can be looking for as you're maybe getting ready to go shopping, maybe even looking ahead to doing some holiday shopping, all kinds of fun stuff. But it was really good for me to like look at my life and be like, you know what? I'm not really into this thing anymore. Or for the sake of my mental health, I don't trouble myself with that anymore. And honestly, this was a great show idea from you. So I'm just like, before we start, I want to say personally, thank you for putting my mind on this topic because it has actually been really healthy for me as we've prepared for this. Well, my goodness, I can't wait to hear all the things that you're going to talk about. (laughs) There's some surprises on this list, so I can't wait to dig in. We are going to talk about some things that we have just stopped doing, whether it's things that we've stopped buying maybe things that we just don't do anymore. And honestly, we're going to talk about some things that we've stopped doing that we kind of miss. Maybe it'll inspire us to get back to some things that we've been missing in our lives. So we are going to be talking all about that on this episode of Sorta Awesome. And I cannot wait to dig into that with Rebecca here in a few minutes. But first, let's go ahead and start this show the way we always do with our Awesomes of the Week. If you are new to Sorta Awesome, then you may not know that the Awesome of the Week is the moment in the show where we stop and talk about, well, whatever is awesome in our lives this week, whether it is a book or a TV show, a recipe, a movie, a podcast, a product, something that's making life a little bit better right now. Rebecca, what do you have for us? I am bringing a thick, creamy, cheesy, delicious soup recipe. And frankly, I'm a little embarrassed that I have not talked about this on the podcast until now. (laughs) I love it. It is definitely soup season. So I cannot wait to hear more about this. Yes, let's dig in, shall we? (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so I have a cheesy vegetable soup recipe from my childhood that is amazing, but it calls for Velveeta cheese. Now, that's fine. That's fine. Velveeta cheese is fine. But over the years, I have tried to move away from more processed foods towards more real and whole foods. And I am a thousand percent not perfect at this, not consistent at this, but it's something that I have in the back of my mind that I have tried to lean my family more whole foods versus processed. So years ago, I shared the recipe on Facebook and I put out 
like an SOS. I said, guys, listen, this is my absolute favorite soup recipe. But is there more of a non-processed version? Because that one also included cream of chicken soup, which some people in the whole foods, real food community, you know, tends to try to avoid. So how can I knock out the cream of chicken soup and the Velveeta cheese? Is there something that can mimic this? Oh, my goodness. I want to take a bath in the soup type of recipe. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, that's a really strong recommendation, I feel. (laughs) I mean, okay, so I have the original recipe on my blog. And this was back in my early blogging days where I paid like no attention to what people would be searching for on Google. And I believe it's actually titled Cheesy Vegetable, I Want to Take a Bath in This Soup Recipe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it may not be great for SEO, but hey, it is awesome for making a recommendation because that is a strong one when you want to actually physically bathe in a soup and just (laughs) get all up in it. Sounds good already. Okay, so somebody came to my rescue. And again, this was years ago. And so I can't give credit to whoever helped me out. But they sent me this recipe from Jacqueline at cookingclassy.com. And this has become a family favorite. It is really great way to get vegetables in your kids. Even when my children were like in that new to food, like baby stage, I would run it through the food mill and they would just like gobble it up. It's thick. It's hearty. It's just fantastic. So it's a cheddar broccoli potato soup and it has lots of veggies, like I said. So it has carrots and onions and celery, broccoli, potatoes. You season it with salt and garlic, pepper and thyme. And I think that thyme in there gives it this like really special like flavor profile to it. I just love the thyme in it. And then you're thickening it with milk, heavy cream, sharp cheddar cheese, and Parmesan cheese. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not necessarily a health food, (laughs) but it's all whole foods. (laughs) Yeah, totally. That sounds incredible. Now, a key here is you need to get the sharp cheddar because That, along with the thyme, it's just like, I feel like when you eat the soup, that's what's giving you the punch of flavor that really, really makes it good. So this recipe made it onto a blog post that I wrote last winter of my 10 best kid-friendly soup recipes, because like I said, it's a huge family favorite in my house. I will have the link to the cheesy potato broccoli soup in the show notes. Along with that blog post, if anybody else just wants to like do a little soup challenge this fall and winter, see how many of these awesome soups they can make. I personally plan to, you know, when I'm meal planning, just start going down the list because they are all guaranteed winners. Delightful. Thank you for that. Thank you for kicking off soup season with such a winner. And I mean, again, if you really want to just bathe in it, then... then truly, like, how could anybody say no to that? I mean, there's the promotional (laughs) quote for this episode, right? Do I need to make like a batch times 10 and actually be in my bathtub with it for the social media promo? (laughs) I was going to say, that's good social media right there. (laughs) Oh my gosh. No, that sounds wonderful. That sounds so good. 
Okay, well, my awesome of the week this week, I actually made a last minute change. I had a different one in mind. Then I watched a show this week, binged right through it on Netflix, Rebecca. And since I knew I was going to be talking to you today, I was like, oh, oh, this has to be my awesome of the week because I think that this is a show that you would very much enjoy as well. And maybe you've already watched it. I don't know. It's on Netflix. It just came. I'm sorry. Here's a confession. I have not watched anything on Netflix in months and months. I have not binged a show in forever. So steer me back onto that path and tell me what it is and why I'll love it. Okay. The name of the show is Emily in Paris. And the reason I think that you would particularly like it is because the showrunner, the creator and showrunner of the show is Darren Starr. Darren Starr was also the showrunner on Sex in the City, Beverly Hills 90210, and one of your favorites, Younger. Sold. So I'm sold. Okay. <laughs> By the time this airs, I've already finished it. Guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I actually came across this show, not because Netflix recommended it to me, but because a lot of the awesomes were talking about what a great escape it was and how much fun it was as a show. So it follows a woman named Emily who's in her 20s and she works in the marketing industry. And in fact, her specialty is kind of like social media marketing. So she is like a sort of, I mean, she's in her 20s. So she's more of a junior marketing person at this American company. And they acquire a French marketing company. And this French firm specializes in the world of like the realm of luxury and luxury products, mm. as you can imagine. And they're based in Paris. Okay. So Emily's boss was supposed to go to Paris to kind of like take up the operations over there, but she's unable to at the last minute. And so even though Emily doesn't speak a lick of French and she's very young, her company decides to send her, Emily, over there, over to Paris instead of her boss. And as you can imagine, hijinks ensue. <laughs> so this show is so fun. And it really follows that whole longstanding trope of like an American in Paris where, you know, they're wowed by the city of lights. They do things that are kind of like, you know, a little gauche, a little just being really American. (laughs) And so it's really fun in that sense. It is amazing what they have done with like the costuming, the clothes, the wardrobe for all of the characters in this. Of course, Paris being known for a city of fashion, a city where everybody has great style. Emily's outfits are particularly fun and interesting. And it really makes sense as you're watching it to think about the viewpoint and the aesthetic of this show really being on the same track as Sex in the City. Because with Sex in the City, you follow Carrie Bradshaw, who of course had wardrobing and clothes that were super over the top. And you see Carrie and her friends having these like really super amplified, like New York City style lives. It's kind of the same way with Emily in Paris. This is not meant to be reality TV. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, yes. <laughs> this sounds delightful. And I don't know that I've ever talked about my love for Sex in the City on the podcast, but that's a show that I binge watched before binge watching was really a thing and have watched the entire season through, I think at least twice. And okay, this sounds so good. Sex in the City, but in Paris? Yes, yeah, basically. Please. Now, 
I would say that on the one hand, it's missing. One of the great things about Sex in the City, of course, are the friendships of the four <laughs> women. And that's really like a driving I'm sorry. force. I thought you were going to say sex. <laughs> no, Rebecca. <laughs> one of the great things about well, Sex in the City is, of course, the sex. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> now, listen, for some people, maybe that was a great thing certainly can't argue with that (laughs) okay so the friendship so this doesn't have that friendship element right she does emily does make a friend with another well sort of american who's living there but you know it doesn't have like the friendships are not the central theme it definitely plays a lot more on emily's various dalliances and love and well frankly sex so this is definitely a grown-up show But, you know, it does it in that same kind of like playful, not taking things too serious way. And there is an overarching tension of, you know, back and forth of will they or won't they with one of her neighbors and some of the complicated things that go along with that. So, again, one reviewer called this show strikingly watchable, an escapist confection brimming with easily digestible plots, costumes and characters. And I would say if that's what you're looking for in a TV binge. Emily in Paris has what you are looking for. It's not meant to be like a serious reflection on the American experience living abroad or anything like that. (laughs) It's just good old fashioned, silly TV fun. And I watched it in just a couple of nights. I mean, there's like 10 episodes. So I just blew right through it. And I highly recommend it if you're just looking for a kind of racy kind of fun and funny escape. Emily in Paris is really good. Well, this certainly sounds like the ticket to bringing me back to Netflix. So thank you so much for that recommendation. Totally. Yes. Okay. Well, those are our awesomes of the week this week. And so if you would like to share your awesome with us, you know, we want to hear about it. And there are two places, especially that you can come and tell us all about what is awesome in your life right now. The first is over on Instagram. If you haven't joined us there, we would absolutely love to have you over in our Instagram community. And we're very easy to find there at Sorta Awesome Show. And of course, we're always talking about what's awesome in life and the Sorta Awesome Hangout Group. That's our community that lives on Facebook. Over 5,000 women trying to help each other, support each other, encourage each other to find the awesome in the everyday. And every Friday, we definitely talk about awesomes of the week. So if you haven't joined us, we'd love to have you over there at facebook.com slash groups slash Sorta Awesome Hangout. And like I said at the top of the show, Rebecca and I have so many things to share with you all this week about things that we have just frankly stopped doing. And we're going to get to all of that in just a few moments after these words from our sponsors. All right, awesomes, one size fits all may work for your accessories, but when it comes to your hair, we all need something a little different to help us look our best. What if your hair care was as unique as you are? I think that you are going to absolutely love, if you haven't discovered them already, Function of Beauty. Function of Beauty is hair care that is formulated specifically for you. No matter your hair type, they create your shampoo, your conditioner, and treatments all to fit your unique needs. How unique, you ask? Well, Function of Beauty has over 54 trillion possible ingredient combinations to make sure your formula is as unique as you are. Now, awesome, you all know that I have wavy and curly hair and I'm really super picky about what kind of products that I use on my hair. 
Function of Beauty totally understands every kind of hair type, and they are on a mission to make products fit your hair perfectly. Here's how it works. First, you take a quick but thorough quiz and tell them a little bit about your hair. Next, Function of Beauty's team determines the right blend of ingredients, then bottle your custom formula to order. Then they deliver your personalized formula right to your door in a cute and customized bottle with your favorite color and fragrance, and they even print your name on it. Plus, their formulas are vegan and cruelty-free. They never use sulfates, parabens, or any other harmful ingredients. Function of Beauty is not just the first ever custom hair brand. It's the internet's top-rated customized hair care brand with over 40,000 real five-star reviews and counting. So what are you waiting for? Go to functionofbeauty.com awesome to take your four-part hair profile quiz and save 20% on your first order. Go to functionofbeauty.com awesome for 20% off and to let them know you heard about it from our show. That's functionofbeauty.com awesome. Okay, friends, colorful days of fall are now upon us. Are your small businesses needs evolving? Despite the current uncertainty, having the right people on your team is like the feeling of warmth of being wrapped up in a blanket. So when your business is ready to make that next hire, LinkedIn Jobs can help by matching your role with qualified candidates so that you can find the right person quickly. I have to say that I am genuinely blown away by LinkedIn's algorithm. Seriously, 80% of hirers on LinkedIn receive a qualified applicant in just 24 hours. LinkedIn is already an active community of professionals with more than 690 million members worldwide. Getting started is easier than ever with new features to help you find qualified candidates quickly. You can manage jobs and contact candidates from a single view on the familiar LinkedIn.com as functions are streamlined into one simple screen. Identify strong candidates with their efficient rating system to help you quickly get your job in front of more qualified candidates. And now you can do all of this from your mobile device, no matter where the day takes you. That's how LinkedIn Jobs can help you hire the right person faster. When your business is ready to make that next hire, find the right person with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash awesome. Again, that's linkedin.com slash awesome to get $50 off of your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Rebecca, you and I have been doing some thinking, some list making, a little bit different than the lists we usually share here on Sort of Awesome. But I think this is really such a great topic right now because as we go into the holiday season that's coming up, a holiday season that I'm sure will be like no other, which is what we've said about every season since spring here, right? <laughs> here in 2020. I do think that it's really a great idea to kind of give ourselves permission to streamline things in our lives, to get down to the basics, to really examine how am I spending my time? Am I happy with what I'm doing? Are there things I need to let go of? And then some more practical things are just like, you know what, is it time for me to stop buying this thing that I've been buying forever? So we have a list we've prepared. I would love for you to start us off with just talking about some of the things that we actually have just kind of stopped buying. Yeah. So when you said, maybe I should stop buying this thing that I've been buying forever. I mean, that really ties into exactly the mindset of my first thing is that I have made a lot of changes to my weekly grocery list and, you know, things that you need to pick up at the big box store, cleaning supplies. 
it all ties back to my early days of starting to go more green and more natural with things. Like I said, at the top of the show with leaning more towards whole foods and less towards processed foods, I had a conversation not that long ago with my husband and we were talking about healthy food choices and the debate between, you know, like a low fat yogurt that might be higher in sugar versus like a whole fat yogurt. And the bottom line is, Meg, I have made all of these subtle or big changes to the products that I bring into my house. And my husband like had no idea. <laughs> oh my gosh, are you serious? That's so funny. Nate, come on. <laughs> I listed off all these things that like I don't buy anymore and what I'm buying instead. And he just was like, really? And why? And like, I had to explain it all. And what I came to realize was that like earlier on in my mothering years, I spent so much time on blogs, reading from other stay-at-home moms about the changes that they were making in their homes and the research that has been done and just, you know, how maybe the mindset has shifted away from margarine back to like real butter and like things like that. And my husband, he didn't read any of those articles. He doesn't know (laughs) any of this stuff. He was so out of the loop on the stay-at-home mom blogs. I mean, come on. <laughs> so I was like listing all these things, all these changes that we've made. And my husband says to me, well, I feel healthier already. Just like in this five-minute conversation. <laughs> so just like real quick, some of the things I've changed. And I know that, Meg, these are a lot of things that you changed too and documented on our previous sort of crunchy blog was, You know, I don't buy fragranced items like I used to, perfume and like fragranced laundry detergent, dryer sheets, even like room freshening sprays, things like that I'm not buying. I'm opting towards natural peanut butter instead of, you know, traditional peanut butter. I make all my own applesauce. That's not necessarily because of uh, going green and trying to avoid something that's in the grocery store, but just because it tastes so much better. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. So homemade applesauce. Also, I don't buy paper napkins for daily use. I buy them for birthday parties just because the pop of color is fun. But we use like 100% cloth napkins in our family. Nice. But we still use paper towels. So don't think, (laughs) don't hold me on too high of a pedestal. (laughs) But all those like little things, when I looked back, I was like, yeah, there's actually a lot of different products I am no longer bringing into my house. But another big thing that I am not buying is I am not buying sales couponed products. Interesting. Okay. Say more about that for sure. Not that I'm avoiding things that are on sale, but there was a time in my life where I was obsessed with couponing and playing the extra care bucks game at CVS. Right. Meg, I don't know if you know this about me, but like the only time I have ever woken up early to go Black Friday shopping was to hit CVS. Oh my gosh, (laughs) I did not know that. (laughs) (laughs) A friend and I woke up at like six in the morning to go to CVS to get the best deals on Black Friday. Wait, what were you getting? Do you remember? Because like a lot of people will wake up 
this was when you actually had to wake up and it wasn't like a 24 hour Black Friday sale. That people would go light up to get, you know, a new TV or some kind of the best new electronics. Were you stocking up on paper towels at CVS? <laughs> I mean, I don't even remember. I remember getting flavored water at CVS with extra care bucks a lot. Yes. Like, <laughs> is that like worth waking up on Black Friday for? I don't know. Like <laughs> nail polish mm-hmm. or shampoo. I don't know. I don't even remember what I was buying. (laughs) But I would literally spend hours reading through the blogs and people's like analysis of what to get and clipping the coupons that came in the physical newspaper, printing off coupons from online. I would have to write out like a transaction, like agenda or like schedule, uh, plan. So I'm buying this with this coupon and this with this coupon and this and then I pay for that and then I'm going to get this much in extra care bucks back and then I'm going to pay for this and this and this using the extra care bucks and these coupons and then I'm going to do the next transaction and it's going to be it was like a whole thing that I literally spent hours hours on bless it that is so funny because I listen I love CVS too and I just have never understood even how all of the programs work. So anytime they'd be like, oh, you have, you know, Carebacks, you can blah, blah, blah. I'd be like such a happy surprise. I never knew how any of it worked. I should have been consulting with you this whole time. (laughs) Well, I mean, I let it go, honestly. Like I couldn't be a mom and do this. No way. Like my brain space immediately switched to, yes, obsessing over motherhood because I just could not with this. But it was an intense, passionate hobby of mine. And yeah, I don't buy things like that anymore. It's not my motivation anymore. Yeah, I get it. I understand. I do have a question circling back though to the changes in food and stuff. Where are you on Oreos? I know Oreos being a trademark Rebecca snack. Do Oreos still find their way into the house every now and again? Maybe from CBS because you got (laughs) (laughs) Meg, it's so funny that you said that because as I was thinking about this, I even thought to myself, Rebecca, you have not bought Oreos in a very long time. It's probably been like over a year, maybe two years since you sat down with a package of Oreos. But I didn't put it on my list because I couldn't pinpoint why. I don't know why I stopped buying Oreos. And then I was like thinking, well, did I swap out Oreos for more like high class indulgence? Like am I buying like better chocolate or a better sweet snack? Because I haven't abandoned sweet snacks. And that answer Mm -hmm. isn't yes. Like I don't No, No, I'm not like extra bougie with my chocolate. So (laughs) and then I was like, well, are you actually just healthier? Like, are you just buying less? junk stuff. Yeah. I think the answer to that is also no. (laughs) I think I'm still, (laughs) I think I'm still buying junk stuff. I don't know. I just haven't bought Oreos in a long time. I think I keep trying to tell myself that I'm not going to buy junk stuff, but then somehow I still always have like something chocolatey in the house to eat. So I don't know. Yeah, that is too funny, but I am like super impressed because that was such a sort of like that, which are go-to indulgent snacks. So 
yeah, you just crowded them right out the door with all of your healthy food. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that actually is a great segue into what some of the things that I have stopped buying. And the number one thing on my list that even I cannot believe, and I actually was, I talked about this on 10 Things to Tell You last month. I got to go and visit with our friend and former co-host, Laura Tremaine, made this big revelation that, Rebecca, I'm no longer buying or drinking Diet Coke. This is a no, huge, huge change for me. No, I know, right? this it's is like, a lie. <laughs> I've heard this before, Meg. <laughs> That's fair. That is fair. Because <laughs> anyone who knows me knows I have a long time, you might even say a lifetime on again, off again relationship with Diet Coke. I have no governor when it comes to Diet Coke. I cannot moderate it. So in Kyle, my husband has the same issue where we just, we cannot just have it in the house because we'll just literally drink it all day. So sometime around probably the beginning of quarantine, maybe even a little bit earlier than that, we just decided we cannot keep drinking Diet Coke again, because we can't just, even if we bought like a six pack, it would be Rebecca had gone like in a day between the two of us if we bought a six pack of Diet Coke. And we had been buying like the big, like the big palette sized Diet Coke from Sam's. And sure. yeah, when we got to the point where it was like, oh, one of these isn't making it through a week for us, we were like, okay, it's time for an intervention on ourselves. <laughs> this is hey, so you really have like a come to Jesus moment about your Diet Coke. Come to Jesus. Jesus invited us to the altar at Revival (laughs) to confess our aspartame sins. (laughs) And I mean, that actually really is, that's the crux of it is aspartame. Plenty of people I'm sure can drink it with no problems. For me, it really seriously is addictive. And also it messes up my anxiety so bad, which listen, I got enough anxiety problems without aspartame, (laughs) without just like pouring it into my body. So we decided one of the biggest things that has made us unable to stay away from the Diet Coke is we did not have a good replacement for it. Like all the habit experts and the habit gurus talk about if you're trying to break a bad habit, you have to, it's not just enough to take it out of your life. You have to replace it with something else to get that habit to stick. So we started drinking this, mineral water that we both love. It's from Mexico, but Coca-Cola bought the company, whatever. It's called Topo Chico. I talk about it all the time. I'm almost always drinking it. I literally have one right now. And even though neither of us have really been big carbonated water fans, this mineral water has just enough taste to where you don't feel like you're just drinking straight water all day. Anyway, Rebecca, it totally worked. Like the habit gurus, they're right. You have to replace your bad thing was something else. And so we did. And every now and again, like if I was out, if I go out to lunch with somebody or, you know, not that we get to do that hardly at all these days, but occasionally if I'm out of the house, I'll get a Diet Coke. But in terms of like actually buying cans or bottles and bringing it into the house, it's been the better part of this year that we haven't had it. And nobody on this planet is more shocked than I am. <laughs> but it's... I'm very impressed. Really, yeah. I'm very impressed. 
And this is just a funny story just for the awesomes because <laughs> I've seen you drinking this mineral rock, mineral, <laughs> goodness, I can't even talk. <laughs> I've seen you drinking this mineral water while recording yeah. for several months now. It comes in a little bit of a larger size bottle, yes. right? Like mm-hmm. how many ounces is that? It's 20 ounces. So, okay. Yeah, it's a good size. So it's like a decent size bottle. Yeah. Well, when Meg records, she has, we're on Skype so we can see each other, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And she has her background blurred. <laughs> and so whenever she takes a drink out of this though, it blurs the bottle because the bottle is like so large. Yes. Like Skype thinks, oh, this needs to be blurred out. And it always cracks me up every single time because it looks like she's drinking something so scandalous that it must be blurred out. <laughs> I just pour a straight up vodka before we start recording. <laughs> oh, so funny. Oh, my gosh. So, yes, that is like the hugest, hugest thing to stop buying Diet Coke. Now, another one that is I think is pretty shocking for me. This one makes more sense in sort of the natural evolution of people and style and what they're into and stuff. But as you all know, I have for years and years worn and loved and recommended to the awesomes many times dresses. I was like, you guys, the secret to dressing comfortably, but looking so put together, is just dresses. And so I had a whole closet full. I talked about them often here on the show. And as I think back, Rebecca, I have to tell you that something I'm not buying anymore is dresses. For the most part, I might have one or two in my closet now, but I have stopped buying them. And I think that the big factor was once Nico was born, he's like 15 months old now, but when he was born, you know, it's really hard to find good dresses that also have good nursing access. Mm, And mm -hmm. so being a breastfeeding mom again made me kind of transition back into wearing separate. So tops and jeans or tops and pants or whatever. I did have some lovely dresses that were like nursing dresses from Latched Mama and other companies that I found that were perfectly fine and good. But now, I mean, again, he's 15 months old. He really only nurses before his nap and before bed. And anyway, I kind of wanted to shift out of wearing nursing clothes. I mean, he's a toddler. It was time. But in the meantime, I discovered like, I actually really do like wearing pants or tops and jeans again. And so this has been a pretty big change for me to not be constantly looking through Amazon or other places at all of the dress sections. It's been a big change. And kind of like you were talking about, sometimes you don't even realize, like, why did I stop buying Oreos? Why did I, I'm kind of just like, I didn't even notice it. And this is one of those things that when we were preparing for this episode, I really was doing a mental inventory. And again, I like surprised myself like, huh, well, what do you know about that? I don't really buy dresses that much anymore. Nothing against dresses. They're still great and comfy. Just haven't bought any new ones. That is funny because I do always picture you as like a dress person. Yeah. And it always goes back to you used to post pictures of your outfits on sort of crunchy. Yes. And I used to look at you and just be like, wow, she really pulls off that dress business. And that's just like not, I just don't do that. I don't have that skill that she has. and. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. I mean, not impressive, but it's notable, right? It's very notable that your style has changed some. It's a pretty big change. Thank you. That was very nice of you to say, by the way. Okay, let's talk about some things that we have stopped doing for our own mental health. I'm a huge believer that sometimes you just have to get like really self-aware when it comes to 
mental health and again, kind of take stock. What am I doing that's actually not helping my mental health at all? In fact, it's maybe throwing a big wrench into my mental health and wellness. So Rebecca, let's talk about some of the things that we have just kind of stopped doing really intentionally knowing I got to stop this for my own mental health. Okay. Well, my first one is a little bit more lighthearted, but every single time it happens, I feel so liberated. Good. I have stopped coming to the rescue when my children cannot find something. Ah, that is liberating. Yes. Yeah. And I didn't even realize how much I was doing this until I stopped doing it. When my kids ask me, Mom, do you know where my football is? And I say, no, that can be the end of that sentence. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that I need to stop whatever I'm doing, think through, did you check here? Did you check here? It's probably here. Well, are you sure? Did you really look, get up and go and like find the football? Like I'm being asked, do I know where it is? I don't know where it is. And it's not my responsibility to know where it is. And they are big enough to go find it on their own. (laughs) Super wildly liberating. It has taken me longer than one might logically think to learn this lesson too. Yeah. I just did not realize how much energy I put into hearing that my kids couldn't locate something and feeling a sense of responsibility that I can probably find it or maybe I even put it somewhere. Mm -hmm. Heaven forbid I put it away, Mm -hmm. you know, and they need to look where it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Or even just like wanting them to feel good and happy and to have this thing that they're searching for. Well, I can help them. Now, things with Isaac are a little bit different. He's still just three, you know, so there's a little bit there. But I just have really lately my kids have asked me if I know where something is and I just say no. And then inside, I'm just like happy dancing. No, (laughs) the end. I'm out. Good luck. (laughs) I love your literal actual happy dance, too. That's making me so happy right now. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Okay, but my next one, and I think this might be the one that even inspired the show in general and certainly inspired this section of the show is as an Enneagram 6, one of the labels that we have as Enneagram 6 is the loyalist, Mm -hmm. right? Isn't that what Mm -hmm. we're called? Yes, yeah. And I feel like when people talk about Enneagram and they talk about the different types, they always like zone in on one thing about a type for the most part, like the stereotype of that type. Totally. And for Enneagram six, it's always like worst case scenario thinker. You know, you're the planner. You're going to think worst case scenario. And maybe you're sleeping with a bat under your bed because you're terrified of everything. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. One aspect of Enneagram six is being loyal to your friendships. And when I heard that, that really, really struck me because I at a moment's notice could cry about a number of friendships that I no longer have in my life. Letting go of relationships has been incredibly difficult for me and just makes my heart so sad. Mm -hmm. And these things happen naturally. They happen when you leave high school. They happen when you leave college. They happen when you leave a job. Mm -hmm. And there have been so many friendships that I have clung onto and even clung onto beyond the point of healthy because it just 
hurt my heart so much to let go of them. Yeah. And I've always found it so remarkable when I have heard others say and talk about their friendships. Like, I feel like I've heard you and Larch Main saying, friendships are for a season. They're good for one season and then they come and they go and that's it. And it doesn't necessarily mean that something is wrong, but they're for a season. And I'm like, no, (laughs) (laughs) no, that's not true. They are for a lifetime (laughs) and I will hold on to them until my fingers are bloodied. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And there are some friendships that I probably still am holding on to and I still have some grief over. But then there are some others that I have intentionally chosen to move past. And there's a friendship in particular that the ending of the relationship was a bit messy. And whenever I thought about that person, I felt a tug and a tear at my heart of, I should be doing more to reach out and revive this friendship. I have things that I should probably apologize for. I don't understand or know how they feel about me. I'm scared that they are mad at me and that there is just ickiness there. Sure. And so I actually, and this took years for me to get to this point, Awesome. So if you're hearing this and you're like, wow, this is like brave. I wonder if I can do this. Just know this took me literal years. I contacted the friend. I said, I would really like for us to get together and just kind of hash some things out. I don't have expectations of us being BFFs, you know, because of this conversation. But I just I don't want to think about you and feel such ickiness anymore. We got together. We were able to talk about our friendship with this perspective of time that was so healthy and healing, at least for me, I can say, to be able to air some things and apologize for my part in some things that didn't go as I would have hoped and to hear her feedback and to hear how I was projecting insecurities for myself onto what she was doing. And then to hear what she was actually thinking during that time and how little it had to do with her maybe not liking me Mm -hmm. and just what she was dealing with. It was so good for me. And now when I think about that person, my sickness still does a little bit like, oh, yeah, I wonder if I should text, you know, but there's like none of that. Oh, she must hate me. Right, right, right. Oh, I did this all wrong. Oh, this is just heartbreaking. I don't know what to do. Like, I felt like paralyzed Mm. in that yuck. Yeah. It sounds like you're able to let go of a lot of this sort of angst around it and the kind of tangled upness of it. Yeah. Yes. And I think walking through that has also allowed me to loosen the reins a little bit on some of the other relationships that when I think about, I'm like, oh, I wish we were still close. Yes. And that feeling is still there. Like I can still think about somebody and be like, oh, you know what? When I actually think about them, like I miss them. But it doesn't have to be this, oh, we messed up because we're not together anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes so much sense. And I relate to that so much. Yeah, it's one of the biggest things I've done for my mental health was acknowledging, apologizing, and letting go of a friendship. Yeah. 
It's really good. That's a good reflection. I totally get that. It's so important. Such a grown up thing to have to do. Not fun, yes. but like actually in the end, once you work through it, so good. Yeah. Okay. Well, some of the things I've stopped doing for my mental health, I'll just say really quickly that like you with your kids with the lost things, I have stopped trying to manage my girls' school and their schedules and like their responsibilities. We're all schooling at home right now involuntarily <laughs> here right. in Oklahoma City. And so I've just really relinquished to them, like all the things, like whatever their assignments are, if they have deadlines that they're supposed to meet for different groups or whatever, like it's just been all on them and talk about liberating. Like, oh my gosh, I should have done this a long time ago, but they're 13 and 15 now and it's time and it's been really wonderful. So that has actually been a gift of quarantine schooling is that I've realized, oh my gosh, they're like actually super capable. And even the things that I've seen them miss, like miss a deadline or something, I can step back and be like, this is part of how you learn what you're going to be responsible for and what that's going to look like. So that's been really good. I would say probably the biggest thing though, that I have stopped doing for my mental health is hanging on to actual physical things in our home that are just meh for me. They're just not that meaningful. And the reason this has helped my mental health so much is because for me, clutter is a huge anxiety trigger and it makes me feel so overwhelmed. And when I'm already maybe having a struggle with anxiety and then there's just like stuff everywhere, it turns, it it like spirals really quickly. So Rebecca, I came up with a new sort of like litmus test for myself, a new question I ask myself. Oh, okay. Yeah. What is it? (laughs) When it comes to getting rid of things. If I find myself picking up something, whether it's a piece of clothing or a knickknack or something, and I don't want to throw it away, like the first question that comes to mind for me, or the first statement that comes to mind, I guess I should say is, this is a perfectly good fill in the blank, then I get rid of it. (laughs) Which sounds a little counterintuitive, (laughs) right? Because you're like, well, if it's perfectly good, shouldn't you keep it? That's my problem is that I keep so many things that are perfectly good, but have long since stopped serving me. So it's like, I use that statement. This is a perfectly good fill in the blank as a reminder to myself. Like if I pick up something I actually love, that statement doesn't even come to mind. It's like, oh, I absolutely love this. And there's no way I would get rid of it again. Okay. Provide some examples. I want to hear about some things that you got rid of. Okay. So I talked about this on Awesome Today a couple of weeks ago. Kyla and I both went through and did major, major, major closet and dresser drawer clean out. Rebecca, you and I both live in old houses. You know, closet space is very limited. I have a tiny closet, but I, yeah, you're in your closet right now. So (laughs) I have a full view of it. I have a tiny closet. Rebecca, when I cleaned it out, I cleaned out seven bags full of stuff. Two of those bags, seven bags, seven bags, like kitchen size garbage bags full of stuff. Two of those bags were actual just trash. It was either clothes that had been worn to the point that they could no longer be worn or that some of it was just like, why is this? It's like packaging from things. And then five bags I took to donation because I had so many clothes in there that I'd be like, well, this is a perfectly good cardigan. There's nothing wrong with this. Now compare that to, I have a sweater in my closet that I bought when I was still teaching. So it's older than Daisy. It's 15 years old. It's from a store that doesn't even exist anymore called Harold's. It's a black 100% silk turtleneck sweater. I was cleaning out my closet and I was like, 
I forgot I have this. I love this sweater. It's one of my favorite things I've ever owned. So even though it's so old, I mean, it actually is perfectly still wearable. I love it so much. But when I picked up that sweater, like it never occurred to me that I would get rid of it because I love it so much. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. So as I've gone through, and this is just like a process because, you know, sometimes I'll go on a tear where I'm just like, I got to clean everything. I just find if I'm picking up something and I'm like, well, I shouldn't get rid of this. It's just like this perfectly good little blah, blah, blah. Then I'm like, oh no, I don't actually care about this. And obviously there's some things that we keep because they're practical and they serve needs like sippy cups. Like you gotta have sippy cups when you have a toddler. You know what I (laughs) mean? Right, right. But I'm talking about like the clutter clutter that sometimes feels too overwhelming to make a decision on. It's like I have this new test for myself if it's something that I actually do want to keep. And it has helped me to eliminate so much stuff, which ultimately has helped me so much with my mental health. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, so that's that. Okay, so we've talked about things that we've stopped for our mental health, things that we've stopped buying. We still want to talk about some things that we have stopped doing that are like in the fashion and beauty realm, as well as things that we stopped that we miss. And we're going to get to that here in just a minute after this quick break. Okay, awesome. So if you are anything like me, then you know that the stress of the world is starting to take a big toll on your physical body. I carry so much stress right in between my shoulders. I sometimes feel like I just have a constant ache in my shoulders all the time. Well, all of that changed when we got our now very much beloved and constantly used Theragun. So yeah, I'm going to rave about our Theragun again because it is an actual life changer. It's the handheld percussive therapy device that is making a huge impact on my quality of life. In fact, over the past few months, both my husband Kyle and I have fallen completely in love with our Theragun. This thing is a rare combination of science and then some kind of magic that actually releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. And now it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. That's because the all new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor that's so quiet, you're actually going to wonder if it's even turned on while you soothe your aching muscles with Theragun's signature power, amplitude, and effectiveness. So if you are drowning in the craziness, in the chaos of life right now, or if you're dealing with pain from maybe old injuries, or maybe you're just missing being able to go see your favorite massage therapist, you have got to check out Theragun. Try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There is no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power that you need. Starting at only $199, go to theragun.com slash awesome right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash awesome, theragun.com slash awesome. All right, Rebecca, let's talk a little bit about our fashion and beauty parts of our lives. What have we stopped buying or doing things that we're just not doing anymore in the realm of this kind of fashion and beauty world, which we've kind of touched on a little bit, but I want to hear more about what you have going on here. Sure. So one big thing that I stopped doing is going to the store to buy jeans. Now, I know that during the time of COVID and shutdowns, like a lot of people are not doing their clothing shopping the way that we used to. But this has stopped for me, like even just a couple of years ago, I won a contest from Stitch Fix that gave me a lot of free credit. 
And one of the things that I decided I want to get from them was quality blue jeans. And Meg, I am never going back. I hope that Stitch Fix <laughs> survives the pandemic, survives anything that the world can throw its way. Because for the rest of my life, I intend on buying my jeans from Stitch Fix. Good. That's awesome. I'm so glad that worked out for you. So the thing that I really love is that they, like, I can give them my list. I can give them my list. This is what I'm looking for. This is like the waist that I want. This is the cut that I want. This is maybe the level of distressing that I would like or the wash color. And they just send me these magically fitting blue jeans that, I mean, they're like the blue jean whisperer. I don't understand. So I ran out of my free credit. And, you know, Stitch Fix is a little bit on the pricier side. So I was like, okay, well, I ran out of my free credit. If I'm paying for the clothes myself, what will I continue to use the service for? And jeans was at the top of that list. And the next time I needed a pair of jeans, I placed an order with Stitch Fix. I got a box and I paid for those jeans with my own cash money. And I will do it again and again and again. Gone are the days of me going to the store and standing in front of the wall of jeans Mm -hmm. and being like, I don't know. I don't even know. What does that mean? I don't even know. (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's totally worth it to have somebody do the picking and the shopping for you to try it on at home and to get some of those higher end brands that you may not even in your local stores may not even have access to. So I'm a huge believer in that style of shopping as well. So good. Yeah, I have come to really value convenience Mm -hmm. and my time. Yeah. I think there was a time in my life and in my budget where the dollar amount spent was of the most importance. And that has since shifted Mm -hmm. part of that, Mm -hmm. me now being like a work from home mom, that my time is very valuable. And so would I rather spend an extra $20? so that I don't have to spend three hours out of the house? Uh, Yeah, yeah, I would. (laughs) Yeah. So another thing that I stopped doing was a lot of stuff with my hair. And Meg, I think you can relate to this a lot, probably, right? Like you and I have gone through this discovery of our curls and our waves, and we've probably changed a lot of the products that we buy and changed a lot of the ways that we style our hair. And as I was looking back at pictures of myself, because I kind of was like, hmm, I wonder, like, when did I really stop straightening my hair? Mm -hmm. Because that was a thing that I did, like, all the time. Yeah. And so, number one, I've 100% like stopped straightening my hair. I maybe only do it like once a year just for fun. And then everybody in the family is like, whoa. Yes. Why did you do that? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. But another thing that I noticed is that I no longer wear my hair. I used to wear it all pulled back at the base of my neck in a ponytail. And then I would kind of like squoosh it all up. Yeah, I'm great at yeah, description words the, here. That is the I actual like, official word for it. Yeah, squish. Okay. Squoosh. So yeah. I would like squoosh my hair up into like this messy little ball. And then I would wrap my hairband around it so it was like a messy bun yeah of like different 
curl type stuff. But this was all before I realized that my hair was super curly. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I would do this out of the shower because I was washing my hair every other day, Mm -hmm. which I'm, again, I stopped doing. Mm -hmm. And so on the days when I didn't feel like doing anything special to my hair, that was my go-to style Mm -hmm. to go to work, to just, you know, go to church, wherever. I would pull my hair back wet. I would swoosh it around and put it in this like little messy bun. And yeah, I stopped doing that. I just completely stopped styling my hair that way. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. And we discovered the magic of Curly Girl and everything changed. <laughs> yeah. So now I don't have to worry about not having time to style my hair yes. on wash days because I time my wash days. <laughs> For when I have the time to do it. And that's like a whole other thing. Like I may have given up every other day washing, but now wash day is like an event. (laughs) It's a whole thing. It is a whole thing. It is. Absolutely. Okay. Well, for me with fashion and beauty, again, I kind of already talked about the dresses thing. You know, I mentioned at our end of the year show last year at the end of 2019 that I really wanted to stop buying and really focusing so much on anti-aging products. And I will say through 2020, I've really held true to this. It's been very liberating to not obsessively think about like, what great product am I missing? What am I missing that is going to repair the wrinkles, the crow's feet, the laugh lines, all the things that women in their 40s, like and beyond, it's like reality. It has been so liberating to not feel like I have to obsessively think about it. Now, do I still do my whole skincare thing at night? Yeah, I do it because I love it. It feels good. It feels like it's taking care of myself at the end of the day. So, you know, I'm washing, I'm moisturizing. I have some serums that I use, but I don't live in this fantasy version of reality where I think that there actually is a miracle wrinkle cream out there. Like, I think you have to go to a dermatologist and have some more high key things done if you would like to make some repairs there. And I just, I'm just not in that realm right now. And so that's been super liberating. Another thing that I talked about on the show, and I can't remember when I started this, but I briefly mentioned it, but I don't think I ever circled back to it, is that I decided to do a makeup no buy. And I decided to do it for six months. And I was going to only buy a makeup product, anything from foundation to concealer, my eyebrow, gel, whatever the thing is lipsticks, all of it. I was like, I'm only going to buy it if I'm absolutely completely out and I don't have a replacement already in my makeup collection. Rebecca, that six months of not buying makeup products, of not buying cosmetics was a game changer. Oh my goodness. It was one of the best things that I have ever done for myself, both finances wise But also, like I was talking about clutter wise, because that stuff accumulates over time. I don't do subscription boxes anymore. It is amazing how much real estate just my makeup was taking up in my life, which is not to say I stopped wearing makeup. I still love makeup. I just realized like I honestly only use one like of a product at a time. So I was guilty of collecting eyeshadow palettes because, you know, you can't just really buy like single or like the smaller two shade shadows anymore. Everybody has a palette, a palette for this and this colorway and all of this. And of course, YouTube feeds into your addiction because you see everybody trying the latest and greatest palettes from every makeup line. Oh my gosh, it was taking up so much time. 
in my mind and in my actual physical space, when it comes down to it, like I will use one palette at a time and that's it. And I don't actually end up using the other stuff. It's just literally collecting dust. And I just discovered that I don't need nearly as much makeup as I was buying. I don't need to think about makeup nearly as much as I was. I know what products are working for me. And the great thing is if I decide, you know, I don't actually like this concealer anymore. It's not working the way it used to. Then I have my resources, my few YouTube beauty people that I like to watch. Heaven knows they're going to be trying the latest and greatest stuff. That's their actual job. Right. So I'll just go watch like their latest, you know, I tried nine concealers and here's what I discovered, whatever video. And I can be like, okay, well, it sounds like this one might work. And I can try one of those and see if that might work. I know some people are probably listening like, wow, this is a game changer for you. (laughs) But you guys, honestly, it really was. So if you think that you might have a little bit of a problem with collecting the latest and greatest makeup and never using it, I highly encourage trying a no buy with yourself for a while. Six months worked for me. It was amazing. And I'm so glad I did it. I have no regrets. This is fascinating because honestly, I expected that this would show up in your like things I stopped but missed category that you were going to say that you missed the experience of trying something new and just that thrill of a new lipstick. (laughs) I mean, I listen, I will still buy a new lipstick. That's always going to be a part of my life. But I think the bigger part of it is like giving so much of my time and attention to it. You know what I mean? Like, and again, YouTube and Instagram culture play in big to this part of it for me. And I, again, I still wear makeup. I don't have any on right now, but most days I still have a full face of makeup on. I'm just not thinking about it all the time. So that's been really good. Yeah, no, that's good. Okay, let's talk about this. The last thing we want to talk about, things that we stopped, but we actually honestly miss. Let's talk about a few of those things. Okay, so... I have said on the podcast many times that my husband and I have a routine that every Tuesday night I go out to work. Well, as soon as, you know, the pandemic hit and nobody was going anywhere, my state was completely shut down. Like, well, I think all of them were. I have not done that. And I still haven't returned to my regular Tuesday night. Part of the reason is, do I feel like it's as necessary to go and sit in a public space for so long? I mean, like, Nah, maybe not. Right. But also, our restaurants are still at diminished capacity. Mm-hmm. And I just don't feel right about going and planting myself in a seat for hours at a time. It just doesn't feel right to the company, to the restaurant, to the place where I'm going. It feels icky. Yeah. But yet I'm left without having a plan. So I have not done my regular Tuesday night out since March and I miss it. Yeah. It's a struggle. I liked being able to really leave the house and not have the distraction because I have been still working, of course, but I might say, okay, I'm going to like go up to my bedroom and Nate's like in charge of supper and whatever, but the kids like still interrupt me. Oh, I know. Yes. Mm -hmm. The other day I was working and my daughter Grace wanted to just come lay on the bed next to me while she was Mm -hmm. doing her homework. And I had to tell myself, Rebecca, she's not doing anything wrong and she's not even talking to you. But my goodness, like you just, it's so hard to just get some space. Yes, (laughs) yes, yes. You are singing the song of my heart. Yes. So I miss it. And Nate and I need to figure out 
an alternative for moving forward because I don't know when our restaurants are going to be at full capacity and I still just feel weird about that. So I don't know. Yeah. Another thing that I stopped doing and I miss is acting. Mm -hmm. I studied theater in college and I have done very, 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 very little acting since then. In fact, I think I've only done one little thing for my church. (laughs) And that was such a huge part of my time commitments, my hobby, my passions, an outlet for myself. And I do miss it. I think I let go of it because of time. It felt hard to dedicate so many hours and work. Mm -hmm. And then when I became a mom, the idea of dedicating all those hours away from my kids felt hard. Also, I was always a breastfeeding mom that breastfed her kids forever and ever. Amen. And so (laughs) to be physically away from my children for so long also was a bit of a stretch. It just got put on the back burner. And now it just feels like scary and hard Mm -hmm. to break back into doing something like that Mm -hmm. yes but I feel like it's a true part of who I am but it's so just like buried Mm. deep inside and so I don't know I don't know how to reconcile that but you know I miss it I get that I get that I am so glad that you do have some outlets to kind of show up and still entertain It's not the same as acting, but I'm so glad that you still get your presence out into the world. It's so important. I may not be acting, but I for sure am performing. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That was a classic ESFP thing to say. (laughs) Okay, well, I have a couple of those too. One thing that I really do miss, and I have stopped this, is I miss discovering new music. Now, we've joked and laughed about on the podcast both on mic and off that I'm like the only one I feel like on the team that like, I really, really love music. I mean, super love music. And so a big part of my enjoyment of it was finding new songs, finding new artists, listening to new albums and those types of things. I often relied on like Spotify's Discover Weekly playlist to find great new stuff. I think around the time that I sort of surrendered control of my Spotify account to my children, and it was a lot of like, dumb kid music (laughs) then that was showing up on my Discover Weekly. I think that played into it. I listened to so many podcasts and I've gotten back into audiobooks. It's like music has just kind of gotten wedged out of my life. And it's such a bummer for me. So I miss the thing of discovering a new great thing music-wise that I'm into. So that's a pretty big one. The other one, I am relating back to what you were saying about acting. I miss writing. I specifically miss writing a blog and I miss like the whole blog realm and universe that we used to live in, you know, probably 10 years ago, give or take when blogging was the thing. And that was the community. And it was such an outlet for writing. There was something so powerful about showing up daily or every other day, or maybe at least weekly to do some writing. And, you know, it's like, I actually still do this thing that I used to do when I was blogging, where I kind of compose these thoughts that could have been a blog post in my head. And I'll even think, well, I could put this on Instagram because, you know, I could at least get the words out somehow. Well, by the time I get down to it, it's like, you know, I don't want to, I could either log in and it's kind of clunky to try to do it from your computer. I hate typing on my screen. So the thoughts just still live 
in the draft section of my brain and they never get out. And I just genuinely Oh my word. (laughs) You are like really speaking my language here. The draft section of my brain. Like, I think that has a more accurate thing ever been stated. Us bloggers and those who are now ex-bloggers are we forever going to have a draft section of our brains? Maybe so. I mean, I'm still blogging, but oh my word, do I have some things in the draft section of my brain? <laughs> yeah. And we just can't oh, seem to get yeah. it out into the world like we used to. I just, I yeah. miss that era. And I miss that, you know, having the blog gave me an expectation to do some writing every now and again. And I haven't had that in a long time. So I'm just here to say I miss it. So. Yeah. All right. Well, this was really therapeutic for me. I hope that you all, as you're listening, Austin, I hope you're thinking about the things that you have stopped doing. And hopefully it has been things that ultimately have brought more awesome into your life, because sometimes we need to edit our lives a little bit to find our way back to the awesome. So if you guys want to have some follow-up conversation with Rebecca, Rebecca, remind us where we can find you all around the web. You can find my website where I am still blogging at simplyrebecca.com. And then you can find me all across social media at Simply Rebecca. Okay. And you can find me on social media at Sort of Awesome Meg and Awesome Community. Don't forget that if you have comments or if you just want to tell us something that maybe you are really determined to stop doing in your life, we'd love to hear it. If you want to participate in all of the awesome things, you can find us in all of the places, Facebook and Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. You can even get a daily dose of awesome from Awesome Today. So don't miss out on any of that. I'm Meg Teets and this is Sorta Awesome. The Sorta Awesome Show is a production of Sorta Awesome Media, the company that is all about giving you permission to let go and keep growing. We'll see y'all next time. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.